everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. Do we, uh, we talked last week about being generous, the magnetism of a generous spirit. And I just wanted to share just a little bit. I had a chance to be, uh, uh, to be generous that kind of, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think there's certain prayers that God will, uh, that, well, he always hears our prayers, but sometimes of course the answer is no or wait or those kind of things. And it can be frustrating sometimes as we're in the waiting time. But there are certain prayers that I think are more about our eyes being opened, right? And so I think when we say, God, would you give me an opportunity to be generous? I think he'll answer that pretty quickly because they're all around us, right? And I had a chance to, uh, you know, I was in Subway the other, uh, uh, the other day and a gentleman came in and was able to uh, be generous to him. He was obviously in need and uh, had a chance to, to share that God loves him. And, uh, and so pray for Rene today, if you think of it. So have you had an opportunity to be generous in our giving, in our encouragement, in our love? And uh, I encourage you to pray that prayer. And I think you'll find there are opportunities to do that. We, uh, how many, can I uh, actually ask for a show of hands? How many remember reciting the Lord's Prayer in school? Did, uh, did you do that? Yeah, I did as well. I haven't looked up the stats on this, but it's interesting that it was, it kind of stayed in the schools in Canada a lot longer than it did in the States. I talked to some of my American friends and it was a lot further back that it uh, was taken out. And uh, it, it was in 1988 that it was taken out of the Ontario public schools. And did you know that it was a group of parents in Sudbury, of all places, Sudbury, what did you do to us? Um, <laughs> Philip, Philip Zeilberberg Zib, uh, Zib, and two other Sudbury parents didn't, didn't like how it excluded children. You know, I was reading about it, and he, he says he talked about, and I, I think he may be Jewish, I'm not sure, but he remembers in England sitting outside the classroom while the rest of his classmates recited the Lord's Prayer. And he, you know, you sat outside in the class when you were bad. He just remembers having a bad feeling about it. And uh, that memory stuck. And I believe he was a lawyer. And so he uh, made it happen. There were other parents, uh, among them a Jew, a Muslim, and a non-believer. They filed a lawsuit in 1985. And they won. And it, in 1988, it was taken out of all of our, all of our schools. But it, it was interesting to me that his, his reason was for inclusivity, right? In, in the sense of, you know, he didn't want different faiths to be excluded. And it's interesting because the path that these kind of things have gone is to exclude, right? We're kind of going down a path that anything of religious nature, especially Christian, is excluded. And get that out of here. We don't want anything. And it's interesting that the, this Mr. Zellerberg, um, uh, he's he even said it's unfortunate kind of how things have kind of turned even beyond what he thought. And I suppose it's a caution that you don't know what where something will lead, right? Maybe if we just left it alone, we would be still saying 
the Lord's Prayer in school. But regardless of whether our students are saying it in school or not, for a Christian, this is, this is a pretty important passage, isn't it? Uh, a pretty important passage and teaching of Jesus in Matthew 6. And of course, prayer is the very foundation of, uh, of our journey of Christian faith, isn't it? If, uh, if a, for a Christian to never pray, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense, does it? To never pray. We believe God is real and that he has not only invited us to pray and to ask, but he has also taught us how to do it. Because sometimes, sometimes prayer doesn't come naturally, right? Can I, uh, can I confess for us? I think I can confess for us. Sometimes it does come naturally, but when we're in the heat of it, we say, God help, right? That's a prayer, and that comes very naturally. But kind of, if I could call it, we're afraid of this word discipline, but the, word, the discipline of prayer can sometimes be a bit of a, of a challenge, but no need to fear. Jesus said, I want to teach you. I want to help you understand how to pray. It's interesting, you know, how God orchestrates things. I, uh, I knew this passage was coming as we uh, have been looking at uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and these teachings of Jesus in Matthew, the beginning part of Matthew. And uh, in my devotions, uh, the devotional writer started a little focus on this, uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I thought that was pretty neat that God was uh, orchestrating all that. And so I read one of, one of my devotions, if you could indulge me. It, it was the seven P's of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to use the seven P's of the Lord's Prayer as a guide today to help us understand uh, what Jesus was saying when he uh, taught us how to pray. So we come to the Lord's Prayer as we have we have said it in that first phrase, our Father, our Father, we'll stop right there. The first P is personal. The first P is personal, our Father. Jesus invites us to address God in our prayers as Father, as Father. You know, whatever your experience with, a, with an earthly father has been, um, the very word father connects you, connects to you and your dad, right? You know, to, later today, uh, I'm going to be seeing a man named Earl McCutcheon. But he is more than just some man. He's my father, right? There's a personal connection there. Prayer is personal, right? I think that's why it's so important uh, to pray using our own words, right? Reciting prayers like the Lord's Prayer are good, and we should do that, and they can be very helpful. But prayers, prayers that others, others have written can be helpful as well. And I find sometimes they can help us pray uh, in different ways and sometimes remind us about praying for certain things. For instance, there's a, there's a prayer that I came across recently called the Puritan Prayer. And I uh, have it near my desk, and I have found it helpful. It says this, Give me increase and progress in grace. So that there may be more decision in my character, more vigor in my purposes, more elevation in my life, more fervor in my devotion, and more constancy in my zeal. Amen. That's a good, good prayer. I find that helpful. 
It's okay to pray, pray, pray prayers like that. And sometimes in our tradition, we kind of run away from that a little bit. It's okay. But our prayers should also be very personal, right? They should be personal because what can happen, right, is sometimes we get into, we, we get into I, I've referred to this before, but we get into carol mode. You know what happens at Christmas time. Yes, I just used the word Christmas, but stay with me. Um, you know what happens, right? Oh, I love this carol. And I've seen it over and over. People kind of glaze over, and they, they don't even think at all about what they're singing. They just, they're in memory mode, right? And you just kind of sing it. And uh, there are times that's fine, but man, don't we want to dig in and, and listen and understand what's, what we're doing? And the, the caution is that when we recite things, sometimes we can forget to think about them, right? It's just a reminder to me that our, God invites us to come to him personally. He says, come to me, our father. We can come to him. I think Jesus is saying, hey, if, if you don't know how to pray, let me teach you. Use this as your guide. And so we continue. Our father in heaven, in heaven. And the P for this one is presence. The P for this one. Well, you'll notice there's another one, but just a second here. Where is God? Well, he's in heaven. And through the Lord Jesus, he has made a way for us to live in his presence. But there's actually a a P word that I like a little bit better than, than, uh, than presence for this one. And it's position. Position, right? Our Father is relational and personal, as Scripture teaches us. And experience reminds us, God loves us, right? God loves us. Those are powerful words, right? Have you ever had God just remind you at times, boy, I'm here, I love you. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. But we are immediately reminded of his position, our God, which art in heaven. We come to the God who is above every other name or thing in our lives, the God who has the position to do something about it. Just looking at my notes, I must have disappeared because I, I, I was thinking of the fact that, uh, you know what, I was reading, actually I just saw it today, that uh, no one has put their name in for the mayor of North Bay yet. And uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, You know, I don't know all the deadlines. I don't follow that stuff uh, too closely as far as locally. But, uh, and I got thinking, what happens if nobody does? You know, (laughs) if if nobody, you know, puts their name in. But imagine for a minute that I, you know, was invited to speak before uh, city, uh, the city council. And I got up and I said, well, thank you for inviting me today. And uh, so, uh, Mayor McDonald, uh, I, I know that you have the power to do something about this problem that I have, that I'm bringing to you today. And so, and then I go on and share what, what the issue is, right? There is many times uh, that he does, right? He has the power to make a phone call and say, hey, get this done. Fix Castle Street, please. I should probably go, please. It's the worst street we could travel all over the place. We come home and we're bumping around on Castle Street. It's a good thing sometimes to remind 
the mayor, well, you've got some power here. Would you use it? Well, I think that in our spirit, that does something for us. Our father in heaven, you are the king. You are the king of kings. You've got some power to do some stuff in my life. And I'm coming to you. And of course, we come to the next part. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. And this reminds us of his power that comes with that position. Hallowed means to honor as holy. You could really almost say holy is your name. Holy, holy, holy. And this reminds us that there is a healthy tension in our prayer, right? And I think sometimes we can err on, as often with tensions and bounces. And we can err on one side or the other. But I like the way the devotional writer put it. To say holy is your name is not to keep our distance, but to retain our reverence. We approach with confidence and in a familiar way, but not casually and presumptuously, right? You you catch the tension that there is there in prayer. We can approach confidently as we come to the throne of God because he has invited us. But we also have a reverence there. He is who he is. Holy is his name. I don't... It's... we can call on that, uh, uh, that power that is at work. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You have the power to do something. And of course, we come to your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it, we come to the purpose word. Purpose. He's in control. Right? He's in control. And and we want that. I, I, and I want you to notice something here. At this point in the prayer, if this is a pattern that we can use to help us pray, at this point, we haven't asked for anything, have we? Right? We haven't asked for anything. What's, what's the main reason that we often pray? To ask, right? We often come and ask. When you forget to pray, you remember when you need something. Right? At least that's sometimes my, uh, the case in my life, right? But if I've neglected it a little bit, boy, when I need something, I'm back. It's to ask for stuff. Often that's why we come to pray. But I think here lies one of the real purposes of prayer and why, why we need to come to God more than just in those desperate times. Prayer is aligning our lives with God's purposes. It's aligning our lives with God's purposes. It's, can I say it in reverse? It's not aligning God's purposes with our lives, (laughs) right? We like to do that. We think that somehow, you know, I've even prayed prayers like that. Like, God, come on, would you get on, (laughs) would you get on my wavelength here? And no, he's saying, no, no, (laughs) you can, you come over here, get on my, get on my wavelength. We say to God, thank you for inviting me into your presence. I praise you because you have the power to act. I know that your ways are best. And I want your way and your will to be done in my life, in my family, in my church, in my nation, in my world. And you know what? I think here is a reminder for us as believers, as we read all of Scripture that we need to get to know Jesus. 
right? Because if you're reading this and maybe you don't trust God, right? Maybe you've been hurt and maybe you blame God. And to be honest, you don't want to pray this prayer because you don't trust him. That's when we need to get to know Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus, when you receive him as your personal Lord and Savior, you you get to know that he is good. You get to know that he loves you. And that he's trustworthy. That he was willing to go to the cross for you and for me. Now, what did he say in the garden before the cross? If this cup could pass from me, you know, I think that's a prayer any of us would say as he faced, he knew what was coming, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. If this is what needs to happen, my paraphrase, if this is what needs to happen to draw people to you, then I'm willing to do it. Why do, again, why do I mention this? Because when you really get to know Jesus, you become more and more confident in saying, I want what you want. I want what you want. And can I add, we sometimes even get more confident in the more difficult thing of saying, I want what you want, even if it's hard. Because it's not always easy. But, but we get to understand that it's best. That it's best. And it's hard to pray that sometimes. But it's powerful. It's powerful. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we get to give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Provision. Provision. We can ask God for what we need. If you need something, have you asked God for it? Have you asked? He has promised to provide all our needs, not all our greeds, but our needs. You know, perhaps the first listeners of this story, they thought back to a story in the Old Testament that they no doubt had, had, if they were Jewish, they had learned their entire lives. And do you remember in the book of Exodus that God provided something called manna, right? He provided manna. And Moses said that, you know, there was, the word manna means what is it? <laughs> they didn't know what it was, but it kind of it kind of arrived in the morning. It almost, I don't know if it fell or grew like with the dew, but it was there and you could eat it. Moses said, it is the bread. This is the bread the Lord has given you. But there was something unique about this bread. If you remember the story, it only lasted one day, right? It only lasted one day. Do you know though what? There was, there was a tragedy that happened in our house. If you were here last week, you might have remembered that Chrissy made these wonderful strawberry tarts, and they they were good if you had some. And uh, we were saving them for a get together on Friday, and we opened the thing and they went bad on us. <laughs> right? They we saved them too long. It was a tragedy, right? But uh, this bread, this manna. It only lasted one day, right? And so these, the, the Israelites were in the desert. They didn't have any other way to feed themselves. And so I think I'd be tempted to do this too. You'd be tempted to hoard it, right? To gather as much as you could. But you know, if you know the story, it, it would spoil, 
right? It would spoil. It only lasted that one day. And it, the people were completely dependent on the Lord for their literal daily bread. Completely dependent. We can ask God for what we need today. Whatever it is. I'm reminded that sometimes, I mean, that's, I think, the reason why he says don't worry about tomorrow. Because, that, that, you know, each day has enough trouble of its own. Just worry about today. Let me look after tomorrow. We kind of want to have it all mapped out. But he says, I've, I've got grace for you today. I can meet your need today. This doesn't mean we just stop working and sit at home and say, God, send the manna, right? And uh, give me my daily bread. But it does mean that we live, play, and work with a consciousness that we ultimately look to God for what we need. We don't look to ourselves. And you know what? I'm just reminded of a very practical thing, a way of looking at that. You know, you've heard people say, I'm a self-made man, right? And they may be... They maybe are gifted. They work hard. And they say they don't need God. And of course, we're reminded how quickly that can be taken if health were to change or those, or those kind of things. We look to God for our daily bread. And we're silly if we don't really think it comes from Him anyway. When we try to get what we need apart from God, that's when we can get in trouble, right? And I think that's why God teaches us like we learned about last week, to be generous. We get into trouble when we try to hold everything too tightly. Sometimes that's a lesson I, uh, God is teaching me sometimes. Give us this day our daily bread provision. He wants to provide for what you need today. And we come to this next part. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive, go, forgive those who trespass against us. And this P word is peace. Peace. When I say that word, I just want to stop for a minute, right? Peace. Right? You think of that, uh, I think of the, the image that comes to mind is that lake that is just at complete uh, peace. I think trespasses is the, is, uh, the most well-known version of the Lord's Prayer. However, some some say, as uh, if you're reading along in the NIV, it says debts, forgive us our debts, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors, as there's this constant desire to make the word uh, understood by today's, uh, you know, we don't use that word trespass very much, but trespass or debts, and the New Living Translation just says sins, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And we think again of that word, peace. Isn't that a fitting word here? Because forgiveness brings peace. Doesn't it? Forgiveness brings peace. When, when we have turned away from God's ways and are walking in disobedience, peace is not the word <laughs> that we use, right? You know, the reality is, and we can get caught in this, and even as Christians sometimes, but the reality is, I think some people are running so fast in life. They're keeping themselves so busy because they know if they stopped, it would reveal their lack of peace, right? 
And if you can just keep your mind occupied and keep going. But God wants to give us real peace in our soul. When we hold unforgiveness toward another in our hearts, there can be bitterness and resentment. You know, and I've told Gary's story before, but I can't help but think of it again. And can you indulge me if you've heard it before? My friend Gary Smith came to our church years ago. And Gary had a, he actually had a brain injury from something that happened. And so he kind of looked at the world a little, a little differently. But uh, he came in and uh, he, he decided to, uh, what I would call, get fresh with this woman. <laughs> that was not, uh, that didn't desire him to do that. Um, and so he sat right next to her, and, and Pastor Andrew, who was the pastor there, he, he said to Gary, get away from her. You know, she does not want you to sit next to her. You get away from her. And, uh, and Andrew's, Andrew is a kind of tell-it-like-it-is kind of guy, and Gary was so angry. He didn't do anything, but he left the church so angry, and he kind of disappeared for a while. And, uh, and we thought, man, where, where is Gary? And one day Gary came in and he says, Andrew, I need to talk to you. My doctor says I have to come and forgive you because it's affecting my health. So here I am <laughs> to forgive you. And in his, in his mind, it was pretty precious for him to just kind of take the doctor's advice. But isn't that telling that the doctor recognized this is affecting your health? Not, let alone his spiritual health and his soul health. Forgiveness brings peace. It doesn't mean that what was done is okay. Because God doesn't say that to us. Well, I don't, I don't really care if you take my name in vain. <laughs> no, that's not what he says. But when we come and say, God, boy, I slipped up. I said what I shouldn't say. He forgives us. Right? And we can release that and we can have peace. Keep a short account with God and, I, and, and a short account with others. And I think that when we think of the Lord's Prayer as something that we come back to, right? Even as we think of some traditions, they say it, some traditions say it every week, right? But there's that idea. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. You need to forgive others and be reminded that God has forgiven you frequently, <laughs> frequently. The enemy loves to bring up past hurts. And we can revisit things. But God wants us to revisit the issue of forgiveness. And, and to be reminded that, that to give those things to Jesus. Or to be reminded that we have given them to him. And when I think of a person that I've, that I've had to forgive, the Lord's prayer is a reminder to pray for them. And walk in that forgiveness rather than let it take away your peace because it will. And so we come to that last part and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Protection. Protection. This line can trip us up a little bit, can it? Uh, as we think of God leading us into temptation, we think, well, man, does, you know, because... If we ask him not to, doesn't that imply he sometimes does? And, 
so we, we balance that. That's why we, we need to read all of Scripture. We balance that, that with a, a verse like James 1, verse 13. It says, when, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And we know what that's like, right? And I think, it's, I think we can look at this as permit, as this kind of, God, would you, would you not permit this to happen? We're asking that God keep us from, to not permit us to be dragged away, like James says. When you think of the areas you can be tempted, whether in lust or language or whatever it is, God wants to help us. He wants to help you. There is an enemy that wants you to fail and to fall. We pray for God's help. We pray for his protection. We need it. We need it, and it's available to us. And are we asking? Do we ask for that kind of help? Or can I, can I uh, confess, or, or I've noticed something that sometimes... And I've noticed it in my own life that we can get a little prideful in this area. And we can say, I don't need help. I've got it under control. And there is power when we say, God, I do not have this under control. I need your protection. I need your help. Can we, uh, and we come to the end of this prayer. And can I just kind of just mention this? Because if you're like me, you kind of think this like, oh, what, what about this? Um, of course, if you've learned the Lord's Prayer, uh, we end it with, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And you'll notice that in some translations, it doesn't have that. <laughs> it doesn't have that in there. And uh, you might answer, uh, ask why. Well, can I just answer that? Some of the earliest manuscripts we have do not include this ending. Right? And so when we, uh, as we study and discover and things are uncovered... Sometimes we find earlier and earlier manuscripts, and the earliest ones don't have this little ending. It's, it's unclear if this sentence was included in the original writing of Matthew. As this prayer was prayed in the early church, and why it's so special, I think, right? Right from the beginning of Christianity, this, pray, this prayer was prayed. Um, you can imagine that there was kind of, they would end it, right, with a, as, as I end most prayers, in Jesus' name, amen, right? And so it got to be kind of, just assumed that that went with it. It's kind of, I mean, there's scriptural precedents we can read about in First Chronicles 29, a very similar kind of prayer. And it became connected to this prayer. And, uh, and so it's certainly consistent with Scripture, but we're not sure if it really goes right back to the time when Jesus said this teaching or not. But it doesn't change the meaning at all, whether it's written there or not. So that's my answer. <laughs> that's right. That was a little rabbit trail. Now we're, now we're back. When you, uh, when you think of the Lord's Prayer, what P word do you need to be reminded of today? Do you need to be reminded that God is personal? That he's not watching us from a distance. He is with us. He is with us. His presence is real. He's in a position to do something. He has the power to act. He wants us to align our lives with his purposes. 
He wants to give us what we need, and He wants to give us peace and protection. What do you need today? Jesus says that we can ask. We might say, I don't know how to ask. Well, just start here and say, God, would you do these things in my life? Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.